1: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America N.A. member FDIC.
2: Life and death is in the power of the tongue. It's not the thought left in their head that counts. It's the gift that came out of the thought in their head, okay? Almost everyone agrees that our deepest emotional need on the human level is the need to feel loved by the significant people in your life. Uh, Communication uh, is to a marriage what oxygen is to the body. There are certain seasons of life and maybe certain circumstances where another love language may jump to the top that we're all affected by our childhood but we're impacted there's no question about it we're not controlled but we are impacted we are influenced my mother never hugged me the only hug i ever remember getting from my mother was the day i left the prison and by this time tears were rolling down his cheeks and he said mama loves me mama loves me
1: dear young married couple you're in a busy season of your life. You're probably working and involved in ministry. On top of that, you might even be parents or students. You're maxed, but you really wanna stay connected in your marriage.
0: And that's why we're bringing this podcast to you.
1: I'm Adam King.
0: And I'm Carissa King. And we work with busy couples just like you in our counseling office here in Sacramento, California. We also work with couples all over the world through online counseling, And our couples are really just looking for ways to communicate with each other more effectively. Some of them are looking to heal from a breach in trust or find direction in fulfilling the purpose that God has for them.
1: So come and join us as we have a conversation. We'll talk with therapists, authors, pastors, and other couples who will pour into us, giving us tools to become more intimately connected, get adventurous, and find purpose. Welcome to the Dear Young Married Couple Podcast. In this episode, we're going to be sharing what you didn't know about the five love languages.
0: And we have an extra special guest on the podcast today. Before we introduce him, we will share a uh, shout out to... I am high strung. I um, <laughs> <laughs> love the name. <laughs> this person um, left a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. They said, my husband and I have been married 25 years this year, and we are leaders for our young married couples. We're so excited to find all of your resources. I'm on episode four of the podcast, Listen to a few of the YouTube sessions, and I ordered your cards today. We're yeah. so excited to use your resources to help our young married couples, strong families, make strong churches.
1: Your reviews really do help uh, the podcast be found by other people, and it really does make a difference. And if you're a listener that you know you tune in a lot, it would really help us out if you also leave a review for us.
0: Yes, we are so excited to introduce our podcast guest today none other than Dr. Gary Chapman himself, author of The Five Love Languages. He um, is also a pastor, a counselor. He has a passion for helping people build lasting relationships. Um, He's an internationally recognized marriage counselor and director of seminars. Um, The Five Love Languages is one of his most popular titles, but he's written many other books, and uh, we will link a few of those in the show notes since he references them today in the episode. Um, But he is uh, also a radio program host, and his radio shows are heard on more than 400 stations, So he is here to share his wisdom with us today and a few little nuggets on what you didn't know about the five love languages.
1: So you are in for a treat.
0: All right. Welcome, Dr. Chapman, to the podcast. We are so honored to have you here today.
2: Yes. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be with you all. Well, it's really, really
1: good to have you and it's an honor. Um, This podcast is what people don't know about the love languages, but we wanted to start off with what maybe people do know, or or maybe for those people living under a rock. um, (laughs) Could you just start off by explaining uh, what are the five love languages?
2: Well, the basic concept is that what makes one person feel loved doesn't necessarily make another person feel loved. Mm -hmm. And that each of us has what I'm calling a primary love language. That is, one of these five speaks more deeply to you than the other four. And so uh, the love languages are, and there's no particular order, uh, but one is words of affirmation, using words to affirm the other person, okay. such as, you look nice in that outfit. I really appreciate what you did. You know other things I really like about you? It's just using words to affirm mm-hmm. the person. You know, there's an ancient Hebrew proverb that says, life and death is in the power of the tongue. A- we can kill people by the way yeah. we talk to them or we can Mm -hmm. give them life. And for some people, this is their primary love language, is Mm -hmm. words of affirmation. Mm -hmm. A second love language is acts of service doing something for the other person that you know they would like for you to do. In a marriage, that would be such things as cooking meals, washing dishes, vacuuming floors, walking the dog, washing the car, mowing Mm -hmm. the grass, Mm -hmm. changing the baby's diaper. Ooh, that's a big act of service. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. Amen. (laughs) We're in the middle of that. Yeah. (laughs) You know the old saying, actions speak louder than words. If this is their love language, that will be true. It's not true for everyone, but it's certainly true of those for whom their primary language is acts of service. Then there's gifts. It's universal to give gifts as an expression of love. The gift says, they were thinking about me. Look look what they got from me. Mm -hmm. The gift doesn't have to be expensive. We've always said, it's the thought that counts. Mm -hmm. But I like to remind couples, it's not the thought left in their head that counts. It's the gift that came out of the thought in their head, okay? <laughs> good point. Oh, yeah. So I, I say to guys, you know, guys, in the spring and summer, you can likely get flowers free. Just mm-hmm. go out in your backyard you and pick one. That's what the yeah. kids do. <laughs>
0: exactly.
2: Yeah? How so many good. mothers have ever received a dandelion from their kids? Yeah, most right. of Yeah. Right. That's true. And then I say, if you can't find any flowers in your backyard, check your neighbor's backyard. (laughs) Ask (laughs) them, don't steal them, ask them, they'll give you a flower. (laughs) No excuses, right? That's good. And then uh, there's quality time. Giving them your undivided attention. Mm -hmm. I do not mean sitting on the couch watching television together. Someone Mm -hmm. else has your attention. I'm talking about TV is off, computer is down, we're not answering our phone, we're looking at each other, we're talking, we're listening, they have our full attention. And for some people, this is what makes them feel loved. Mm-hmm. And then there's physical touch. We've long known the emotional power of physical touch. Mm-hmm. That's why we pick up babies and hold them and kiss them and cuddle them. Right. And long before the baby understands the meaning of the word love, the baby mm-hmm. feels love by physical touch. Now in a marriage, This would be such things as holding hands, kissing, embracing the whole sexual part of the marriage, arm around the shoulder, driving down the road, you put your hand on their leg, sitting around the house, and they walk by and you trip them. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Don't trip your spouse. That might not end well. But the, the basic idea is that out of the five, one of those will speak more deeply to you than the other. Mm-hmm. And if you don't receive love in your primary language, you may not feel loved, even though in the other person's mind, they are loving you. So it's really important to discover each other's primary love language and speak it on a regular basis.
0: Yes. Amen.
1: So
2: good.
0: Yeah. And so uh, for those who don't know, they can actually discover their primary and secondary love language and prompt their partner to do so by going to the fivelovelanguages.com. And we'll link that in the show notes as well. Um, that quiz has been taken by over, is it over 50 million people?
2: That's what they told me about a month ago. Over 50 million people. That's
0: incredible.
1: <laughs> that is amazing. That's a lot of people. And that's a lot of people that you've definitely helped in their marriages. Oh, yeah. He's impacted. Such a, such a mm-hmm. um, huge, uh, not accomplishment, but it is a, an accomplishment, but... A gift to the world right. that you've given.
0: Yeah, I think the five love languages is just part of Christian culture now.
2: <laughs> like, <laughs> well, it's amazing. It's, it's even transcended into non-Christian culture. Oh
0: yeah, <laughs> which
2: sure. is good. You know, I mean, my objective is to help people where, wherever they are in the journey. Right. right. Nobody gets married hoping to be miserable. Right. You know, we <laughs> all true. we're we're in love when we get married. Mm. Typically, we've got all yes. these euphoric feelings and course, nobody warned me that you come down off of that. You It know, has an average <laughs> lifespan of two years. Right, and right. My wife and I had been dating for two years before we got married. Mm-hmm. So I came down off the high pretty soon after the honeymoon. And I wish I had known that that was going to happen. And I mm. wish I'd known about the five love languages. Yeah. It would have made the early years of our marriage much better.
0: There you yeah. go. Yeah. Well, we're grateful for yes. knowing about the five love languages from the beginning. So one thing people may not know about The Five Love Languages is that um, the author, you, were you have a background in anthropology. Can you share a little bit about how that has helped to shape your theory of The Five Love Languages?
2: Well, you know, uh, I don't know that the anthropology itself did that, uh, but anthropology has been very helpful. I did an undergrad and a master's in mm-hmm. anthropology, cultural anthropology. Mm. And the reason I did is in the early years, I was sensing that God wanted me to work in another culture. Mm -hmm. And anthropology is a good background if you're Mm -hmm. going to work in another culture. Uh, It didn't turn out that way. In fact, whenever the Spanish publisher came, they were the first to ask uh, to get permission to uh, publish it in Spanish. And I said to my publisher, look, I don't know if this works in Spanish culture. I wrote this in middle America, okay? Uh (laughs) I said, I don't know. I have a a, uh, real respect for cultural differences. Mm -hmm. And they said, well, they've read the book and they want to publish it. And I said, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I think they've sold over 5 million copies in Spanish, you know? <laughs> it's so, so awesome. And then came the French and the German. It, it's been published now in over 50 languages around the world, oh, which incredible. absolutely blows my mind.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And now, I mean, the total count was at, was it 14 million copies?
2: Actually, they told me last week it's 15 million now. Woo! Yeah. That's so cool. <laughs> wow. Oh. But it just
1: shows you how effective this has been. I mean just, you know, talking about our own life and how this is, you know, affect us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We speak different languages, Mm -hmm. uh, very much so. And I think the people on like, you know, when you're kind of giving the overview of the different languages, um, I was smiling because some of the the things that you're already onto Mm -hmm. were, were, you know, traps that I fell into because Krissa, she loves gifts Mm Mm-hmm that's probably like the lowest one on my, on my <laughs> yeah. list. So I don't give that very well. Yeah. And it took me so, so long to understand it's not the expense. It's not the bigness of the, oh, right. you know, yeah. like how much I spend on the gift. It's simply the thought that counts. But yeah. that doesn't make sense to me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, yeah you're you're like, exactly right. If you're number five, that the one that's least important to you is number one for your spouse, there's a learning curve. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the good news is you can learn to speak any one of these languages. Mm-hmm. Once you understand how important this is, that you want to meet that deep emotional need we have for love, almost everyone mm-hmm. agrees that our deepest emotional need on the human level is the need to feel loved by the significant people in your life. Mm-hmm. And if you're married, that's your spouse. If you genuinely feel loved by your spouse, life is beautiful. Mm. If the love tank is empty and they don't feel loved, life begins to look rather dark. Mm-hmm. Everything else is easier if if you keep the love tank full. Yeah. And understanding the love language and choosing to speak it uh, does exactly that.
0: Amen.
1: That's so it's good. Man. Can you speak to the, just to the love tank a little bit? Like if people really feel that it's empty what would be the things that they need to start doing to start filling that up?
2: Well, you know, I think, first of all, we have to be open with each other. Uh, communication uh, is to a marriage what uh, oxygen is to the body. I mean, we don't, we don't get very far down the road or the right road if we don't learn how to communicate with each other. Uh, but if a couple will both expose themselves to this concept uh, ideally read the book together and discuss it and take the quiz and learn each other's language. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we have a choice you know, to speak it or not to speak it. I did mm-hmm. have a man say to me, Dr. Chapman, uh, we read the book, we took the quiz, she tells me that her love language is acts of service. He said, but I'm going to tell you and her, if it's going to take my washing dishes and my vacuuming floors for her to feel loved, she can forget that. Mm-hmm. And I said, that is your choice. If you choose to live with a wife who has an empty love tank, that's your choice. Mm-hmm. I prefer to live with a wife who has a full love tank. I said, my wife's love language is acts of service. I do vacuum floors. I do take out trash. I do wash dishes. Mm-hmm. It's a small price to pay to live with a happy woman
1: yeah that's so good how long did that take you to learn a
2: long time (laughs) (laughs) how long have you and
0: carolyn been married now
2: uh this year will be 60 years she says she's only 49 but uh... (laughs) 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 but you know if you're loved once once the your spouse knows the concept and they're not speaking it you know and you feel like well Mm -hmm. they know doing it uh What I would suggest is you say to them, honey, on a scale of zero to 10, how full is your love tank? Mm -hmm. And they give you a number. And if they don't say 10, anything less than 10, you say, well, what could I do to help fill it? Mm -hmm. And they give you an idea, and then you choose to do it. You see, you're modeling for them what you hope they will do for you. You do that a few times and they will, I'm telling you, you you do it a few times, they're going to come back to you and say, okay, honey, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. (laughs) On a scale of zero to 10, how full is your love tank? Mm -hmm. And then you tell them and they say, well, what could I do? And now you tell them. And so it's it's just kind of a fun way of keeping this on the front burner for both of you.
0: That's excellent. Yes.
1: It really is.
0: So uh, what would you say, Dr. Chapman, are some misconceptions that people have about the five love languages that you've just heard over the years and people are talking nonsense online or whatever? um, And they're, you know, they're maybe criticizing. Everything's
1: true online, right?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, You know, I think one of the most common is that uh, they read the book and because we're all self-centered they say, oh, here's a way to get them to love me in the way I want to be loved. Mm. See, they're thinking about, you know, <laughs> themselves, not True. about loving the spouse, but about getting what they want. Right. Uh, in fact, I've had people say to me, oh, "Doc Chapman, I read your book and we took the quiz and, uh, 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 you know, it just seems like I tried speaking you know, her love language, and, 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 and just she didn't speak mine. And he said, it's just not working. I said, so how long have you been speaking her love language? He said, well, about three weeks ago. He said, I just got through with <laughs> you know, three weeks ago. I said, so what you're telling me is that you've been speaking her love language for three weeks in an effort to manipulate her so she would speak your love language. Mm-hmm. Is that what you're telling me? Well, I never thought of it like that, he said. (laughs) I said, listen, love at its heart is the choice to communicate love to the other person, Mm -hmm. whether they respond or whether they don't. I mean, listen, God loved us when we didn't love God. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So you choose to love them. It's your choice. You want to be an agent of love in the marriage, Mm -hmm. and you're going to love them in their love language. Yeah. But what I would say is this. It, it's, it is true that if they genuinely feel loved by you, they're going to be drawn to you. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the Bible says, for example, we love God because God first loved us. Right. His love stimulates our love. And mm-hmm. the same principle is true in human relationships. So your objective is not to get loved. Your objective is to love and then see what happens. And so it won't it, it likely it won't happen in three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, so I'd true. say, I'd say give it a six month shot to see what happens. Okay. At the end of six yeah. months, if they're not responding to you, then you say, you know, honey, I don't know. I don't know how you feel about us, but I feel like the last six months I have really been loving you in the best way I know how. I, I, you, do you feel loved? And you know, they give you a little feedback and you say, mm-hmm. well, I just, and the reason I'm bringing it up is because. To be honest with you, I don't, I don't really feel much love coming from you. And mm-hmm. I don't know if you don't love me or now you see, now you can yeah. have a really good conversation. And there because they have seen you loving them for six months, they're far more likely to be open to the conversation mm-hmm. and also open to the possibility. Well, maybe I haven't, maybe I haven't been speaking your language. You know, That's so a let, good approach. Me yeah. Yes. That's
1: so good. Because not everybody's very self-aware. They're like, Oh, this feels good. This feels good. Uh, maybe they're not tuned in or being mindful, but yeah. when but when maybe that's brought to them in that in that soft way, it's not attacking, just like I'm not feeling this, yeah. it could open that deeper conversation. Mm-hmm. That's Absolutely. Really
2: yeah. You know, we don't demand we don't demand love of another person. We can request love of another person. Mm. Because love doesn't make demands, love makes requests. Oh. And, and so, but if you precede it by six months really loving them, mm-hmm. they're far more open or likely to be more open to, to your request and to your conversation with them. That's
1: good. Or you need to tell them to go take the test again. <laughs> or the, the quiz. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Go back over there. <laughs> yeah,
0: actually, on that note, one of the most frequently asked questions that we received when we um, asked our our audience, you know, what questions do you have for Dr. Chapman? Um, I think over a dozen times we had the question Can people change their love language? Whether intentionally or unintentionally, does someone's love language change or can they change it?
1: We'll be right back to the interview, but first we wanted to share something that we are really excited about.
0: So you know we all have those times where we don't feel super connected to our spouse and we really don't know what conversations to have to get us to that connected place. And then on top of that, we're so busy that we don't prioritize those conversations.
1: And that's why we created the monthly live date night.
0: And monthly live date night is every month on a Friday night for 90 minutes. 60 minutes, it, we focus on a topic that uh, you guys pick. And then 30 minutes, we do a QA and it's live where we're all together asking questions and giving answers on topics related to your marriage, your intimacy. And we share tools. Uh, We have handouts that we call homework because we want you to be there to listen and to soak in. But we really want you to take action in your marriage too.
1: So come join us live for the next monthly live date night. Check the link in the show notes for dates and details.
0: All right, back to the interview.
2: I think uh, the love language tends to stay with us for a lifetime, like a lot of other personality traits. Mm -hmm. But having said that, I think there are certain seasons of life and maybe certain circumstances where another love language may jump to the top. For example, a wife's primary language may not be acts of service, but if she has two preschool children, chances are it's going to jump to the top because Mm -hmm. she's overwhelmed with so Mm -hmm. much to do. Mm -hmm. And so at that juncture, acts of service becomes a real expression of love to her. Now, as the children get older, maybe it may go back to whatever the normal was. I think there are circumstances. For example, if you, if you receive word that uh, your, your spouse's uh, parents have died or someone close to them has died, mm-hmm. physical touch may not be their primary language, but likely you holding them in yeah. your arms in a hug while they cry is probably the most powerful thing you can do at that moment. Mm-hmm. So, I think certain circumstances or seasons of life, yes, there may be a change. Here's another possibility. If your number one and your number two are very, very close and you get enough of number one, you may begin to think, I don't know, I think number two has become number one. Mm-hmm. But if they stop doing number one, you'll quickly say, oh, no, 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 that's still my primary. <laughs>
1: <laughs> because you feel the lack of not getting it anymore. Uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's a need now so the love tank isn't quite full so you feel that, right?
2: Yeah, ex- absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Ah,
1: that's that's really good. Um for so something that came up while you were talking about that. Um what about with with childhood wounds? How does that affect how people speak or do you see that it affects the way that people speak or maybe the choices of the love languages that they choose?
2: You know, uh, I, don't, I, do, I do know that we're all affected by our childhood, but we're mm-hmm. impacted. There's no question mm-hmm. about it. We're not controlled, but we are impacted, we are mm-hmm. influenced. How that relates uh, directly to the love languages, I'm not sure, mm-hmm. because I haven't done a lot of research in that area. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will tell you this, however, I think a lot of single adults, or even married adults, mm-hmm. who happen to have a fractured relationship with their parents, Mm -hmm. That is, they grew up not feeling loved by their parents. If they understand this concept, they may well look back and realize that their parents did love them. Uh, For example, I was speaking at Angola Prison in Louisiana. Everyone in there was in there for life. It was an open meeting. We had about 300 people that showed up. Mm -hmm. And I said, I want to try to explain to you why you either felt love growing up or did not feel love growing up. And I shared the love languages in that concept, in that framework. In the q a young man stood up. I judged him to be about 30. And he said, I want to thank you for coming, because for the first time in my life, I finally understand that my mother loves me. He said, you gave those love languages, and I knew that my language was physical touch. My mother never hugged me. The only hug I ever remember getting from my mother was the day I left for prison. He said, but you gave those other love languages. And I realized my mother spoke acts of service. She was a single mom. She had two jobs. She kept food on the table. She kept her clothes clean. He went on, and by this time, tears were rolling down his cheeks. And he said, Mama loves me. Mama loves me. (laughs) You see, he realized he realized she was speaking one of these languages. It wasn't his language, and that's right. why he didn't feel loved. Right. But now he can look back and give her credit that yeah. he understands, you know, that, that she mm-hmm. was speaking one of those languages to him. So it can right. be very, very helpful as you look back on your childhood. Ah, oh, wow. that's
0: incredible. Thank you for sharing that story. Yeah. That's powerful.
2: That is powerful. And I'm
1: sure it was so powerful for him because he probably felt unlovable. Yeah.
2: Yeah, absolutely. He felt like, you know, she didn't love him, never, never did love him, you know, and and likely no one else ever feel that void either. Mm -hmm. Right.
1: Right. Wow. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. That's, that's a powerful. Yeah. A
0: couple questions for you about specific love languages. Um, So starting with um, quality time, we're in, we're in a pandemic right now. And um, have you noticed any patterns that people have reported in terms of, Like, for instance, quality time folks, um, have they reported feeling a lack or how they've compensated any patterns that you've noticed during the pandemic for quality time?
2: Well, what I've I've noticed is that if people had a fairly good marriage before the pandemic, they probably have a better marriage now. If they had a fractured relationship before the pandemic, it's probably more fractured now. Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
2: because when, you're, when the whole pattern changes, you know, and now you're, you're both at home together and maybe there's kids there as well. So you've got, uh, got the kids to deal with. Uh, but if it's quality time, if this is one of your languages, uh, one of the suggestions I make in the midst of the pandemic is have a daily sit down and listen time. It may be only 15 minutes. Yeah. In which you're going to sit down and listen. And I say sit down and listen because sometimes we say, let's sit down and talk, which means I have something to tell you. (laughs) 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 But if we say sit down and listen, it means I want to hear what's going on, you know, with you. And if you have a day, if it's just 15 minutes in which you just sit down and say, honey, tell me what's been going on today. What are you thinking? What are you Mm -hmm. feeling? And, and let them share with you their thoughts and their feelings and then be empathetic. You know, I can mm-hmm. see how you'd feel that way. It makes sense. Yeah. You know, Is there anything I could do that might help mm-hmm. you? You have that 15 minutes a day with a quality time person. You are going to enhance the relationship. They're, they're going to feel love. Now mm-hmm. your language might be different and hopefully yeah. they'll find a way to speak your language, but having that structured time can be extremely helpful.
0: Yeah. And especially if they're not getting, quality time with friends or colleagues and like that tank is a little empty, they're maybe relying on their spouse to give them that quality time. Yeah. So yeah they I may be the only,
2: the only one available. <laughs>
0: right. 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 Yeah. yeah. That's good.
1: And they could be getting, they could be getting a lot of time, but just not quality like with the phone down and everything, you know, electronics yeah. off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right.
2: So yeah, they, you know, they, they, they have proximity because they're in the same house, in the same house all day, you know. Mm-hmm. But they're both doing stuff, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and a lot of that stuff is separate. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. so that sit down and listen time can help. Help them bring up well, the bring Sit down again. and listen yeah. instead of sit down and talk. That's great. That's good.
1: We always we always tend to use that that phrase. Let's go sit down and and then yeah, know, the whatever word, it is. Sit down. That's <laughs> our like intentional sort of phrase. You know? yeah, right. We're be intentional. Right. Sit down.
0: One more question for you about a specific um love language. So regarding physical touch, and Adam kind of alluded to the idea, you know, if you have childhood wounds. Um, we work with a lot of clients with post-traumatic stress disorder, um, folks who are, you know, struggling with, um, unprocessed trauma and they might have trouble just being touched at all, whether that is their spouse's love language or not. Um, and so how would you guide somebody in, um, say, say that is their spouse's love language and they have trouble giving or receiving touch. How would you guide them in navigating that?
2: Yeah, well, I think many times, uh, if people have gone through post-traumatic syndrome, physical touch may not be their love language. But if it is their love language, and yet they don't, they don't, they're not ready to receive it, uh, it's not because they don't want to feel loved. It's because all the other stresses that are going on inside of them, which they don't understand, mm-hmm. are, are kind of putting up a blockade. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why I think it is helpful for them to have someone like you all that they can sit down with mm-hmm. and talk with and, and process the trauma so mm-hmm. that they can get back to getting either over the trauma, working through the trauma, so mm-hmm. that now they can open their hearts again to receive love from the other person. Mm-hmm. Because when you when you have these blocks, the emotional, mental blocks that, that make you want to withdraw from people, uh, it's not healthy, obviously, in the long run. I mean I understand mm-hmm. how it can happen, but we, we've got to find how to work a way to work through all of that mm-hmm. so that we can indeed receive love and then give love because you can't have a long-term healthy relationship if you're not receiving love and giving love to each other yeah
1: yeah right. so true absolutely man well this has been there's so many gold nuggets here yes and uh from from we're so thankful for your work and in your time spent with us today so just uh, for all of our listeners today um could you point them to any other resources or things that
2: you would suggest? Um,
0: other than the five love languages quiz. Yeah, like,
2: yeah. <laughs> Anything yeah, else well, that we maybe missed? Yeah. Well, I do think uh, uh, reading the five love languages because a lot of people have heard about the love languages and they know what they are, yeah. but they really haven't read the book. And the book right. gives a lot of illustrations, you know, yes. uh, real life illustrations Practical of
0: examples.
2: Yeah, and how it changes it changes lives. In fact, I have people That's tell me every time I do a marriage seminar, Dr. Chapman, this, this thing saved our marriage. I mean, really, we were at the point of divorce. Mm-hmm. And we read the book and talked about it, and the lights came on, you know, yeah. and it just changed everything mm-hmm. for us. And, of course, this is not all of marriage, to be sure. But uh, if you feel loved by each other, you can process everything else in a much easier way. Yes. Uh, I would just throw out one other book if, if they're struggling with anger in particular. I wrote a book a few years ago called Anger. Go find it. And the subtitle is Taming a Powerful Emotion.
1: Okay. I we'll believe like I, that as
2: well. I, I believe anger is a gift of God if you mm. understand it correctly. Mm. And there's, yes, there's two kinds of anger. And I talk about that and how to process each of them in a positive way. Uh, but anger was designed of God to be a to be a helper and not a hindrance to relationship. But most of us have never learned how to process anger. Mm. So that can be very, very helpful to those that are struggling uh, with mismanaged anger.
0: Okay. All right. We will, we will link that as well. Um, One other resource you didn't mention, but um, I think people would um, do a good deal to their marriage if they checked it out is the five love languages devotional Bible. Yes. And so um, you want to share a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, we put that together. It's a, it's a whole Bible. And uh, we started Genesis, worked through Revelation, not reading the whole thing, but giving uh, devotionals associated with different uh, chapters uh, throughout the whole of Scripture mm-hmm. so that you read the Scripture, you read the devotional, uh, suggested prayer and, and questions that you can talk to each other about mm-hmm. uh, five days a week. And then on Saturday, if you're really excited, <laughs> you, there's, there's little uh, other little things you can do on the weekend. Nice. And then it also contains uh, several articles on mm-hmm. different aspects of marriage. And there's an index. So that if you're struggling with you know, a particular thing, you can find it in the index and go read an article uh, based on scriptures uh, from that, uh, on, on that topic. So, yeah, yeah many people in fact are finding that uh, Bible to be uh, really, really helpful.
0: So awesome.
1: And well, it just shows you how important intentional time working on your your marriage and the knowledge of each other and being showing that love
2: mm-hmm. it
1: just blossoms and makes something beautiful what God yeah. intended
2: yes exactly right you know if we just if we if we follow the principles that God laid down for us we're going to have the best possible life <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> yes. mean there won't be problems yeah, everybody yeah. has problems we're fallen yeah. yeah we're all fallen but it does mean if God said don't do it You're better off not to do it. She said, do it. You're going to be better off to do it. Well,
0: Dr. Chapman, this has been such a pleasure for us and an honor. Um, We close all of our um, podcast episodes the same way. And that's by asking you to kind of rewind to the first couple years of your marriage and think about the advice you wish you would have received. And then fill in the blank, dear young married couple.
2: Okay, well, I actually wrote a book called Things I Wish I'd Known Before We Got Married. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> i <I've> read that. <laughs> so I would say to young couples, if you didn't read it before you got married, it'd be good to read it in the first year of your marriage. Yes. Amen. <laughs> because it's 12 things that I know now that had I known then would have made my marriage much easier. Mm-hmm. And I'll just share one of them. And that is, I wish I'd known that apologizing is a sign of strength. You will not have a long-term healthy relationship if you don't deal with your failures. Mm -hmm. And all of us will blow it from time to time. We'll say things or do things that are hurtful and painful to the other person. You don't have to be perfect to have a good marriage, but you do have to deal with your failures. And that means apologizing and forgiving. Mm -hmm. And when you learn how to do that, you're going to be moving down a positive road. Mm -hmm.
0: Powerful. Thank you so much, Dr. Chapman.
2: Thank you so much. Thank you. It was good to be with you and keep up the good work.
1: Yes, sir. You too. Thank (laughs) you. Thank you. you. All right, friends. We really hope that you got a ton out of today's conversation. And if you want help, if you want personal guidance with individual counseling or couples counseling, or even help with you as a couple reaching the goals you have, just reach out. Give us a call at 916 678 1797 or shoot us an email at hello at dear young married couple.com.
0: No matter where you are in the world or in your marriage, we can set up a counseling session with you and we can work toward progress. We also post marriage advice regularly on our Instagram, which is at dear young married couple, and we'd love for you to join us in conversation there. All right, see you next week.